How many of you saw the uh, rainbow yesterday? Yeah, give pardon uh, like a cheesy pastor moment. Uh, I was driving yesterday and I saw this beautiful rainbow and it had been raining and we haven't had rain in a long time, drought, right? And, uh, and so we were enjoying the rain. Hillary, my wife, who's from the Pacific Northwest, was like reminiscing about this rain. It was like home, you know. I was having nightmares about the rain and what her home used to be like when we lived there. But it was nice to have the, the water come and saturate the ground. And then it was even nicer to see this glorious array of color kind of spread out through the sky. And I was on my way to have breakfast with a guy in our church. And as we're sitting there, we're talking, we're talking about the ups and downs of life and how things uh, are difficult and there's, there's hard times and there's good times and business is tough and business is down and whatever. And, uh, and he was in a season where business was difficult. And I said, well, you know what? It's just you've seen it in your own life. I've seen it in mine. God is consistent. He is faithful. He gets us through. And then we literally looked out the window and there it was, this this rainbow stretched across the sky. And it's just so cool that the God who originally promised Noah and, and painted this thing in the sky and said, I will never flood the earth again, his promises continue to endure. He continues to be faithful and faithful and faithful, even though we are inconsistent and often unfaithful ourselves. I am inconsistent. I even have some hypocrisy in me. Gasp, Right? And you have some in you. And I know some of you are here and you, maybe you haven't gone to church for a long time because you're like, because those hypocritical religious people, right? And they turned you off in the past and me too, I get that. But I think it's important to pause for a moment and realize that we all have some degree of hypocrisy in our lives at some level. If you're raising kids and you try to teach them not to swear, right? It's not good to swear. And then they hear you kind of directing a term in a particular person's direction. They're like, oh, you said the A word. And you're like, no, I literally saw a donkey in the distance. It's biblical. <laughs> uh, and you try to make sense of it that way. Or if you're a teacher like Deanna up here, uh, you, have this, you have this kind of standard that you said, this is how we do things in our classroom. And then you break your own rule because you have to go to the bathroom or you have to, you come in late or something like that. Right, We're just not perfect. There is inconsistency and, and hypocrisy in all of our lives and in all of our stories. Maybe you're an employer and you have people that work for you and you keep emphasizing that in this business, we are a customer service-based organization. We care for the customer. That's who we are. We're like the Zappos of surfboard manufacturing, right? We just take care of our customer and then you get really frustrated with someone on your staff and you like belittle them and get after them and don't give them any flexibility or latitude and your staff's like, oh great, thanks. So we take care of the customer and not our own people. That's, that's awesome. But in some way, shape or form, not sure how it plays out in your story and in your life, but we have inconsistencies and hypocrisies. We just do. I have some in me. And I was reminded of that a week ago when uh, my USC Trojans were, were playing, and uh, I, I didn't get the channel. It was Saturday night last week, and I didn't get the channel because I have basic, like the very basic cable, which is like 18 stations, and uh, 12 of them are in Spanish. And so <laughs> I, I didn't, I wasn't anywhere near getting, getting this particular station. So I'm checking on my phone, the ESPN app, periodically to see how how we're doing, how we're doing, and it's in deep into the second half, 
and it's a tight game. And so I just say to Hillary, Hillary, I, I got to go to a sports bar. They need me. And, and so I found, you know, Yelp, the a close sports bar, and there was one really close uh, to where we lived. And so I cruised in there. I went in there for the first time, and I sat down. And this place wasn't playing a record, but if they were playing a record, it might have gone, because people looked at me like I did not belong. It was like one of these things is not like the other. And I walked in, and I just sat on the bar stool anyway and uh, ordered one drink and tried to focus just on my screen and on the football, but it was becoming clear to me that people were like burning me with their eyes and, and judging me for being in their fine bar. And uh, I, could, I could feel them judging and evaluating my lack of calloused hands. I could, I could sense them criticizing my V-neck t-shirt, and I was just clear, like, this is... This is not my place. They don't want me here. And then I don't know if you've ever felt that way, but when, when I was feeling that way, then I began to turn the criticism and the judgment on, on them, right? And on the way that they're behaving or on what they're wearing or on how they smell, you know, for instance. And, and there's, it got worse because there was this guy behind me who's playing pool, and he loses and he throws his arms up in kind of fit of defeat, and he spills beer on my back. So I'm already like, oh, 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 really, you know, already feeling out of place, and now there's beer on my back, and now I'm judging him and them even more, especially the guy who's over here watching the one screen that has a two-year-old UFC fight that he's yelling at that screen, and you're just like, what? There's like two people paying attention to the USC game in this whole place. I'm like, are you kidding me? And, and so I'm judging them. By the time my team loses yet another game in the fourth quarter, I hate everyone in there. And, and I just, I just want to be somewhere else. And I leave quickly. And I hate the pool players. And I hate the bartender. And I hate this guy watching that screen. And I, and I hate all your mothers for giving you birth. You know, It was just like... I, that, the judgment just was, was building up in me and my anger and frustration. And I say that jokingly, but it's real. And, and, there's, so, and there's darkness in me uh, because I do go to that place. And when I feel threatened at times or when I feel judged at times, I have a tendency to turn that back and compare myself to them and, and want to try to categorize and put people in their place to make me feel more comfortable. And I think... I think because we're all kind of common humans that you have that same tendency. I think as humans that we all have a tendency toward comparison and toward judgment. We'll just kind of lump those words together for today. Like a critical comparison is, is being judgmental and making a decision about how this person is and their perceived value in your eyes. And here's the thing. We cannot be people who compare and judge and also at the same time, people who are compassionate. Those two things are mutually exclusive. You can't have them both. If you're a person who compares, categorizes, judges, puts people in certain places, doesn't have time for certain kinds of people, tries to avoid certain kinds of things in these places, you can't be a person of compassion. They don't go together. They don't, they don't align. And if you've been around here long at all, or if you've learned about Jesus, read about Jesus, wanted to follow Jesus in any way, then you already know that he is like the definition of compassion. He embodied compassion. For him, there were no categories and scales and hierarchies. Everyone was the same. 
And we're going to take a brief look this morning at what he says about judgment and about comparison as it relates to compassion. We're going to look at Matthew chapter 25. And the passage might seem a little bit obscure at first, but I want you to stick with me. It starts in verse 31, and it says, But when the Son of Man, this is Jesus talking about himself, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, saying, I'm going to come back again, this is kind of like a future thing that you can anticipate, then he will sit upon his glorious throne as like the emperor of everything. I'm the God of the universe. I got this whole party started. I've, I, I'm that God. And all the nations will be gathered in his presence, and he will separate the people as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will place the sheep at his right hand and the goats at his left. Now, these people that he's talking to understand that because they had sheep and they had goats, like, in the front part of their house. I mean, that was just a normal thing. Sheep and goats were everywhere. And they had a higher value for sheep. They had more to offer. They, they, they were able to contribute more in terms of value and worth and finances and, and whatever else. And so sheep are a little bit better than the goats. And so the religious people, the, the good Jewish boys and girls that are listening to Jesus talk, they're tracking with them. And they're like, okay, sheep and goats. Sheep over here on the right, goats over here on the left. We're with you. And obviously, we're in the sheep category because we're good. You know, we've, we, we've, we're Jews. We've done all the right stuff. We're in the right club. And so keep going. Jesus, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I'm tracking. Verse 34, the king will say to those on his right, come you who are blessed by my father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. And then this is where it gets really interesting. For I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger and you invited me into your home. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. It's shocking to the people who are listening because they're tracking with them at first, the sheeps and the goats and the separating. I mean, they, they, in their culture, it was all about segmentation and categories and who fit where. And they were convinced that if you were born into a particular place, a particular uh, kind of circumstance, that you deserved that. If you were born into a highly esteemed place, it was because your ancestors were good people. If you were born into a low position, it was because your, your ancestors, your parents, whatever, did something wrong. And so you were being treated accordingly. That was their mindset. That was their mentality. So if you were thrown in prison, that's on you. If, you're, if your family member was thrown in prison, they just kind of lump you in together. That, and they loved putting people in categories. And then Jesus blows their mind and he says, the people that are on my right are not the people that you think necessarily, that are the shiny, happy, categorized people. These are the people that saw a need, they saw me, they saw that I was hungry, and they, they fed me. They, they noticed, and they did something about it. They had compassion. These, these, are, the, these are the people over here. And, the, and so his listeners are like, what? That doesn't make any sense. What is this, what is this you're talking about? And by the way, how, how is it that you're hungry? Like, aren't you supposed to be the God of the universe? You're talking about the Son of Man coming and sitting on a throne. How is it that you're hungry and naked and in need? Well, you've lost us, Jesus. And he says in verse 37, 
Then these righteous ones will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you something to drink? Or a stranger and show you hospitality? Or naked and give you clothing? When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will say, I tell you the truth. When you did it to the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. And they're just more quiet even than we are right now. I mean, they're thinking, what? So, wait a minute. What? And, and so those are the people, you're lumping yourself in with the least of these? What is that even? When Jesus says least of these, he's not assigning higher or lesser value. He's acknowledging the cultural norms. And in that culture, they believed that the least of these were those who were the least able to contribute to society as a whole. So they had the least to offer. If you're sick, if you're lame, if you're whatever, if you're paralyzed, if you're in prison, whatever, you can't contribute back. Right, So there's a stigma on you, and you're over here, and you're outside, and you're not as valuable because you're not contributing back to the whole. That's just the way they view. That's the lens at which they looked at the world. And Jesus is saying that's, that's all irrelevant. You're missing the point. You love to categorize, and you love to put some people over here and some people over here, and I'm telling you, you're doing it wrong, he says. The people that are over here are the ones who do not categorize. They're the ones who do not judge. They're the ones who care for the people that it doesn't make sense to care for because they can't even add any value to their life or story. And it's really important for us to pause and consider this morning because our culture now is not all that different. And we love to build our lives around maximizing strategizing, getting the most out of. And there's nothing wrong with those things. I love those things too. But you have to be careful in the midst of that that you don't isolate yourself from people who can't actually add value to your thing. Because when you isolate yourself from the people that don't add value to your thing and to your mission and to your maximization of your life and business and whatever else, you might just miss Jesus. Because he throws himself in this category. He, makes, he goes to great lengths to remind us that we're all the same. And then there's not a higher, hierarchy. And there's not different values. And these people are not cursed or less than just because they've been in prison or because they've been addicted or because they, their pa- family comes from that side or that heritage or because they've failed in this way. And he says, nope, let's level set this. We're all the same. And Jesus passes judgment, not on the people who have screwed up their lives or are addicted or whatever else. He passes judgment on the judgers and says, you love to separate sheep over here, goats over here, and you might be a goat because I'm judging the judgers. There's a... um, there's a great show on television called The Undercover Boss. And uh, I've watched a few episodes, and I'm thinking of one in particular where this, 
they take these CEOs of these companies, these men and women who have built these companies or they're leading these great, wealthy, big companies, and they, uh, they give them an opportunity to work at the bottom from underneath and very like low jobs so that they can see how things are really going on at the base of their company and they videotape it all under the guise of shooting a documentary on whatever. And so uh, this one particular episode that I watched, the CEO guy, it's a food service company, and he takes off his Armani suit, and he gets into some raggedy, you know, normal people clothes. He grows out his beard, he colors his hair, he wears some funny glasses so that no one can recognize him, and he goes in to the bottom level of his food service company, and he's back there on the line cooking the food. And it's this, it's this experiment where he's going to try to see, like, what's our company really like at this level down here? And so the manager of this particular franchise is told, hey, this guy here, uh, you know, CEO, undercover guy, he's going to be here learning our business, and we're filming it just so that we can get a glimpse of uh, his entrepreneurial journey because he wants to start another thing or something like that. So it's all undercover. Manager guy of this franchise gets so frustrated over the course of, the, of this one day with the undercover CEO because the undercover CEO can't do this stuff fast. He's learning it, and he's not good at it. And the manager is like visibly, audibly irritated, and it just escalates. And he keeps getting more mad and more mad. And, he's, and he, by the end, he's like, you, what are you, 48 years old? He said, how could you have not have learned to do this by now in your life? And he's just like berating him and cutting him down and saying, you are not going to make it in this company, he tells him. In, in fact, you're not even going to make it the rest of the day. Why don't you just stop? You're slowing us down. You're killing us. Because he couldn't see his, his lens. He couldn't see the value of this person because they couldn't function in this particular little siloed role. Imagine his surprise. When at the end of the show, he sits across the boardroom and the same guy comes in back in his Armani suit with his face shaven and looks across at him. This dude just turned white as a ghost. He was like, oh, dang. But we do that just like him. It doesn't fit. You're not adding value in this role, and so we want to disregard. And we can't see the bigger story that God is telling. And we just might miss Jesus in our own presence. There's a guy in our church uh, who actually did start a company, became the CEO. He took it public, and it got bought by an even bigger public company, and he made a ton of money, more money than I understand. And, uh, and he is the most humble and gracious guy that I have ever met. He's an amazing human being. And I just heard a new story about him from a couple of weeks ago where uh, he had been at our church and he had seen someone in a wheelchair and he is always looking out for the people that would be classified as the least of these with not as much to contribute to society or whatever. And so he seeks those kind of people out and he saw this particular guy and he went to him in his wheelchair and he got to know him on a Sunday. The guy came back in another week and so our friend, the CEO, retired CEO guy, goes up to him again in his wheelchair and says, you know what, I I've, you know, would love to get to know you more than just these 10 minutes here on the patio. How about I take you to lunch today? And the guy's caught off guard and he's nervous. He doesn't really, he wants to do it, but doesn't really want to do it. And he says, okay, but you'll have to feed me. Because I can't, I don't have function of my arms. And so our CEO friend in our church said, of course. Didn't even flinch. 
took him to lunch, fed him lunch, and got to know him and made him feel a part of the church and made him feel valuable. Because we're all the same. Because that's what we do. And that's where we encounter Jesus. But our tendency, I mean, let's just be frank and honest about it. Our tendency is to want to compare, to want to judge a little bit, to want to not really have time for people that can't add enough value to the mountain that we're climbing. And frankly, our tendency is self-centeredness. We strategize, we maximize efficiency, and those things are good. But I'm just telling you, if those are the only things that you're focused on, you might, you might miss Jesus. Because he tends to hang out with the people who can't help your cause, but who just need to be loved. And who just need to help remind you and me that we're all the same. Even our church is in danger, as any church is, of becoming self-centered. Right? I mean, why you see you drive around anywhere and you see like big cathedral, big buildings, but and they might have like 40 people inside. Churches that have been great in the past and healthy and thriving, and then all of a sudden something happens, and in almost every case, it's because not right away, but over time, the church became self-centered, self-focused, just focusing on what they want, what feels comfortable to them. They say things like Oh, I've just always liked the way we've done it this way. They see things like, well, this is my ministry. This is my thing that I do. They, see, they say things like, don't we have enough people? And they forget that we're all the same and that Jesus was really clear about what he wanted for his church. And at the top of the list, he said, go and make more disciples. Teach them what I've taught you. Give them hope. Tell them my story, my message of hope and healing and of a good future and that I love them and that they're not outcast and condemned, that we're all the same. And that's why we as a church continually emphasize reaching out, caring for more people. That's why we add services, not just so that I can talk more. It's just to drive into our DNA that we will never stop reaching out to people. Otherwise, we stop being who God wants us to be. I want to uh, speed through here because the best part of the message is when Monica comes up here in a moment and makes this really practical for us. I just want to tell you what compassion in action can look like. There's three little examples bullet pointed out that Jesus, he just embodied it time and time again. Those are, those are places in Luke and Matthew that you can look for specific examples. But then look at these three actions that I have for us. I just want you to sit with these and consider these as Monica's talks. The first one is we, as we move to love where we live and be compassion in action, the, the simple first step is just to see. To see people. Not just to look. That's not enough because then we can look and then we look over. But to really see, to see beyond your political stance on something. Well, if this political thing was just fixed, then they wouldn't even have that problem. Maybe. But don't forget that there's a person that you're talking about. See the person. And then choose compassion versus judgment. 
Recognize that your default is going to be toward comparison and judgment. Cut that off and choose compassion. Choose connection. Choose to empathize. And then lastly, move toward instead of moving along. Move toward. You don't have to have all the money to fix their problem. You don't have to fix their problem. But just for your own sake, to remind yourself that we're all the same, move toward. Move toward those with no perceivable contribution to your gain. Monica is going to come and share with us some more practical ways that this plays out in our church. Thanks, Monica. Thanks, Caleb. So we're talking about the least of these. Haven't we all felt like the least of these at some point in our lives? Haven't we all experienced brokenness? This morning, I want to tell you a little bit about Maria, one of the moms in the Oakview community that we work with. And I think we have a picture of Maria and her family. So Maria, at one point, felt like she was one of the least of these as her and her husband tried to parent their two kids. They felt like they didn't know how to parent well, like they didn't know how to discipline, and that this in turn was affecting their kids' performance in school. So they sought help at the Family Resource Center in Oakview that we partner with, and they got enrolled in parenting classes, their kids received counseling, they participated in a number of support groups there, and other programs to help get their life back on a straight path. And they got the chance to attend the Father's Day event that we as Mariners HB helped host in Oakview. And Maria shared with us that they were so grateful for the chance to share in such a special day together as a family that was something that was so rare for them. So what, what is outreach and why do we serve? We serve so that families like Maria's can see Jesus. It's not, outreach isn't a department in our church, but it's the DNA. It's who we are. It's who you guys are. It's us embodying the lifestyle of Jesus. Every day, every week, every month, it's us loving our neighbors. We're not trying to fix people or their situation, but we want to step into the story that God is already writing in their lives and walk alongside of them and love them. You might be sitting here this morning saying to yourself, nope, that's not me. I have nothing to offer. But who does Jesus call to serve? Every single one of us. I believe that God has given each and every one of us here this morning our own unique gifts and passions. So would we respond? Would we respond with our gifts and passions to that call and to the need of the people in our community? Many of you have already said yes to that question. And so this morning I want to share with you some of the impact that we as Mariners HB have made and the impact that we hope to make as we grow. Let's start by talking about Pacific Court. We have a community center at the Pacific Court Apartments, and we have kids that um, receive tutoring, homework help, and participate in a character club on a weekly basis. Many of you are faithful volunteers there, and we're so grateful for that. Kevin, one of our volunteers, loves to do science experiments. So Kevin, one afternoon, showed up and decided that he was gonna light a paper towel on fire. So there were two-foot flames, but Kevin had covered the paper towel in something so it didn't burn up. And Andrew, who was in eighth grade at the time, said, so, that's how God did it, referring to the burning bush. <laughs> so Kevin, our faithful volunteer there, now 
has Andrew come back. Andrew chose to come back every week to help, as a ninth grader, help other kids that are younger than him with their homework because he saw how valuable it was. So we see this go full circle right in that same community. We also had some of the kids that get tutored there come to our own sports clinic that we as Mariners hosted. And clearly, you can see they had a great time living life with our kids from Mariners. A couple of them made friends and went and got to hang out with them at home afterwards. And those same families showed up this past Sunday to the trunk or treat that we hosted here. So that is what we're talking about when we say we wanna live life with the people that we serve. We also have the privilege of participating and partnering with Golden West College and the single moms program that they have. And you saw Christmas trees on the patio when you came in and we do a program called Christmas Wishlist each year. And so through Christmas Wishlist, these moms have the opportunity to submit their wishes for what they want and what they want to give their kids for Christmas. So I wanted to share just a glimpse of where these moms are coming from. Sarah wrote on her wish list, I am a single mom by choice. I woke up one day and made a choice to leave my abusive husband. She took her four-year-old daughter, who, by the way, wants anything that has to do with princesses for Christmas. She took her to a shelter. And now, through the help of the Golden West College program, is working towards a degree while safely rebuilding their lives. Sarah wrote that her personal wish was for makeup, a trip to the hair salon. She said, all I want is something to make me feel pretty again. You guys, that is the gift of hope that we have the opportunity to give as we step into life with these people in our community. Not only are we making a difference here locally, but also globally in Mexico. Many of you know that over the past year, we have been working on building a ministry house in Rosarito. And the house is finished, which is great. Huge celebration. So we are so grateful for the groups of volunteers that went down every other month to not only work on building that house, but to build relationships there. And some of you gave through the Be Fearless campaign in the spring financially to go towards that house. And so a couple weeks ago, a few of us had the opportunity to go to a housewarming party there at this house. And we got to meet other local pastors that they had contributed to the ministry house. We met other churches from the states that had contributed. And it was just a beautiful picture of what it looks like for us as the global church to come together and make an even greater impact than we, just as Mariners HB, could make on our own. We also took a number of other faith adventures down there to live, what, live life with them. We played baseball with the kids in the neighborhood. We watched the World Cup final soccer game with them, the sport that they love so much. And that is us living life with them. Let's go back to Oakview for a moment. You heard me talk about Maria and her family. A couple years ago, when Caleb met with the city of Huntington Beach, he asked them if they could choose one area or one thing for us as Mariners to focus on, what would it be? And they said the Oakview community. Did you know that over 10,000 people live in that one square mile called Oakview? compared to 6,000 people per square mile in greater Orange County. Most of those families are low income. So over the past year or so, we as Mariners have started to step in and live life and build relationships there through a number of different community events, from Halloween to Christmas to Father's Day like you heard about, 
just to get to know them and figure out what they need and what they want. Our goal in Oakview, or any community that we go into, isn't to just go in and offer handouts and then leave, but to offer relationship. Just this past Saturday, some of you probably participated um, in their Halloween spooktacular. We had over 50 HB volunteers there as a rooted serve. And after the event, I had a number of the rooted leaders tell me the kids just kept coming back. They would go home and come back and go home and come back because they had so much fun just hanging out with our volunteers. That is us seeing you guys truly loving where you live and the kids in that community. I'm also super excited for the vision for our vision for the future in Oakview. We are gonna start partnering with a couple local nonprofits there to help start after school programs for kids, especially teens in Oakview. Just this past week, I had the opportunity to meet with one of the family advocates at the Family Resource Center there, and she meets with families on a regular basis to hear their needs and the ways that they can help provide resources for them. And as we're sitting there in her office with women chatting in Spanish in the background, she's telling me about the situation that a lot of the teens in Oakview find themselves in. She said, these teens really need encouragement to even dream that a lot of their, for a lot of their families, education isn't a reality. She said, they need someone to tell them, tu puedes, you can do it. That you don't have to be a landscaper or a housekeeper just because that's all you've ever known. So by choosing education, the youth of Oakview are ultimately changing their families' lives and their community, their neighborhood. We want to help be a part of instilling this hope and a vision for the future for these teens. So as Caleb talked about, Jesus invites us to notice the forgotten, to live life with those that in the world's eyes we probably think they have nothing to offer back to us but for us to be in relationship with the least of these. And for each of us, this might look different. Some of you know a part of my story is that I lived and worked at an orphanage in Mexico for a couple years. It was there that I learned what it meant to live life with people that, in the world's eyes, thought you know, they had nothing to offer me back. But it was those kids that taught me more than I could have ever imagined. And broke my heart in ways that I never thought were possible. I go back now so I don't forget. And so that I can remind all of us how important it is for us to be a part of that greater story that God is writing in Huntington Beach and in the world. That's where I learned what it meant to truly celebrate differently at the holiday season. Um, what it meant to just live life with the kids and the people I was with because Getting so caught up in what I could buy for them wasn't even an option. Now, I'm not asking you to move to Mexico tomorrow, but I do believe that God is bringing the world to us right here in Huntington Beach, and that he is inviting us to not miss Jesus this season, to love our neighbors as ourselves. Is it easy or convenient? Usually not, but... I can promise you that the reward far outweighs any momentary discomfort or interruption we might experience. We love and serve because true joy awaits for both the giver and the receiver. So would you dream with me this morning? Would you dream with me about what it might look like 
for us to help change an entire square mile of Huntington Beach, to change that neighborhood through the lives of their teens. Would you dream with me about what it might look like to change the trajectory of life for 34 single moms attending Golden West College? What would it look like to uniquely gift and serve others this Christmas season? In a culture that encourages us to spend our time and resources on ourselves, what if we spent time building relationships with those around us, our community, in our neighborhood? What if we spent our money to help provide food and clothing for those in need? What if we spent our lives in a way that reflects the reason that Jesus entered the human story, to proclaim good news to the poor, freedom to the prisoner, recover sight to the blind, and set the oppressed free? What if we celebrate differently, generously, compassionately, and joyfully? This Christmas, the average American will spend over $1,000 on gifts, and over 42 hours buying, wrapping, and returning those gifts, and partying and traveling to visit their family and friends. So this is an invitation for you, an invitation for all of us, to celebrate differently than the world does, and just to step into this season um, to experience the heart of Jesus and to not miss him. So today, we have a couple practical ways um, for you to participate with us. Yeah, if you reach into your bulletin and grab this card here, it says uh, celebrate differently on it. Uh, we're, we're actually not going to do an offering right now. We've done that in the past, uh, and, and we love to do that, to give gifts specifically to these outreach type of things. We will ask you between now and the end of the year to give financially, but we're going to do it in a really unique, different, interesting way that I think you're going to like. But for today, for today, all we're asking is that you would just kind of mobilize, move yourself into action, and Monica will tell you a couple things on there. So one thing not on this card is if you have a kid... Um, in children's ministries or a student that joins us for junior high or high school, they themselves are participating in a food drive. So they will be bringing a shopping bag and a shopping list home with them to help feed other families in need. But for those of you sitting in this room, um, we have two goals this morning and throughout this holiday season. We have over 150 families that we as a church want to adopt this Christmas and buy gifts for them that might not otherwise get gifts. So you saw the Christmas trees on the patio when you came in. Um, as you leave, we invite you to take a tag and to adopt a family, and those gifts will go straight to the families in Oakview and then moms like Sarah that you heard about. Um, so we want to make Christmas special for them this season. The other way is if you look on the back of your card, there are five different ways that you can volunteer your time and serve, and we as a community are super excited about serving together um, and being in relationship and in the community with the people that we serve. So. There's a bottom portion that you can fill out your personal info and then turn it in the, on the patio and then someone will follow up with you. There was a minor detail that it's not perforated, but Caleb believes in you guys so much that he thinks you can perforate it yourselves. I have confidence. Uh, we, we had a perforation fail this week, but I thought, no, 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 it's okay. Uh, all all th these people, especially 1130, you just, you just need to be able to fold it this way, fold it that way, and then a delicate tear, right? We can do that. That way you can keep the top part that has the information on it. You can give us your name and info of how you want to play along. And if, if, there's, if maybe there's a, someone here, there's some of you here that feel like 
you know, you identify more with Sarah or someone who's in a difficult season right now, too. We want to know that, too. If you would just tell that to Monica, we, we, we want to come alongside you as well. What, are, what do yep. they do with the cards? Just go out on the patio and find someone in one of these great red Celebrate Differently shirts, and we will have a conversation with you about what it looks like to celebrate differently, and then you'll hear back from us. Yeah. Uh, one last thing I just wanted to say. You know, if you were here last week or you get my emails, you, you've heard that we've been exploring moving to a new location. Uh, that would be more of like a 24-7 spot uh, that we're really excited about, and it is exciting. And actually, next week, I hope to be able to kind of unveil this if things continue to move forward in, this, in these next few days. So that's, that's really fun and exciting. But the only reason why we would do that, the only reason why we would move into another space is so that we can be more effective at doing this stuff. We're not just trying to bless ourselves. We're not just trying to have a bigger space. We're not just trying to not do set up and tear down every week. That's not our motivation. Our motivation is how can we serve more and how can we serve more better? This is who we are. And so we just want you to participate. We just want you to jump in and join us in trying to be where Jesus is and loving people who don't seem to have the biggest contribution that our culture would suggest. And in doing so, you will be changed and you'll be with Jesus. So join us. Love where you live. Celebrate differently. Take a few moments now as you look at your card and consider what you want to do as the band plays and as you watch these slides.